tribulation but be of good cheer I've overcome the world you hear what he said he's like I've told you these things so that you may have peace in the world not really so much but be of good cheer I've overcome the world brother says you gotta expect problems on this side of eternity things just aren't ever gonna work out exactly the way you dreamed it would be. In today's message, Pastor Daniel is going to dive into the reality of the spiritual battle that's happening all around us. There are battles we can see, and they're happening on every level. But the real war is the one we cannot see. The reality of life on Earth is that we will always be in the war we can't see, and that means trouble. Jesus said so himself. But he also said that we can be of good cheer because he's overcome the world. Now here's Pastor Daniel in 2 Kings chapter 6 as he begins his message, The Battle Beyond the Battle. You know, sometimes life happens in such a way that it kind of confronts you about what life is really all about. How many of you ever had that experience where all of a sudden your own life is confrontational to you? Anybody? Yeah, it's like all of a sudden something happens and you're like, oh. Now, I don't want to be overly dramatic and I don't want to just kind of use words because they're provocative, but each one of us finds ourselves in a battle every single day. And the reason I say I don't want to be overly provocative or just use words that are such because... Honestly, I've never been in the military. I've never experienced a war. My father was a Vietnam veteran, and my grandfather was in Korea and World War II. And they don't talk about it too much. Neither one of them. Say very little about it. So when you start talking about the ideas of battles or wars, especially for someone who's never been involved in one, it's very easy to want to use the language and not realize the, all the gravity that comes with the language. But at the same time, you and I live in a war every single day. And not wars on terror or wars on drugs or war. There's a battle that rages around each one of us every single day. And that battle exists on multiple levels. That battle exists your own personal struggles and battles the battle that you have to maintain your own joy, the battles that go on within families, the battles that we have with our extended families and on our jobs. Of course, we have battles that are raging in our, in our region. I mean, we're doing this brand new Love Now project because there's childhood poverty that runs rampant through our community, right where we live, right where we are. That's why we get involved in these things. You know, and then you have all sorts of issues that are going on in our nation. Battles that rage. There's battles that rage across the globe. Nation against nation. Tribe against tribe. Religion against religion. And we see these things everywhere, except 
we often forget that there's actually a battle that is beyond the battle that we see. And for most of us, because we live in the physical world and we experience our lives in the physical world, we see the battles that are in front of us, but the Bible teaches that there's another battle that rages beyond all of these battles. And if it weren't for God's revealed word to us, we might never even know that it's happening. But that is why God has given us his word. I want to begin today with the reality that if you're fighting people, you're fighting the wrong battle. I'm going to say that again. It's true. If you're fighting people, you're fighting the wrong battle. There's a battle that is going on that is greater than the issues we have with people. Now, I don't expect everybody to just grab hold of it. I want to show it to you. But if you're here today and you have put your faith and trust in Jesus, I believe the Spirit of God in your heart right now is bearing witness that what I just told you is absolutely the truth. That if you're busy fighting people, you are fighting the absolute positive wrong battle. Because there is a battle that is beyond the battle that you see right in front of you. And for those of us who are here who are Christians, I'm going to encourage you to understand the battle that is beyond the battle. And realize that in Jesus, that battle is won, but it still rages every single day. And we need to be cognizant of it. Maybe saying, oh, okay, Fusco, this is like serious start to a message, buddy. But you know, sometimes things are so serious, you can't really joke about it. You know, there's certain things that go on that you're like, you can't tell a joke about it. I want to show this to you. Open up in your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 6. 2 Kings chapter 6. I'm only going to take the first half of the chapter here today in 2 Kings 6. In our subsequent messages, I'll take the rest of the chapter and going on to see where this goes. But I felt that this was so important that I needed to spend some time here. Finding 2 Kings, if you're new to the Bible, you might be like, I didn't know there was a book called 2 Kings. But it's right there. It's in about the first quarter of your Bible. You have the five books of Moses, as they're commonly called, the law. And then you have the book of Joshua and the book of Judges and then the book of Ruth. And then you have all your first and second books of the Old Testament. You have First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, and First and Second Chronicles. So those are the ones and twos of the Old Testament, and Second Kings is right there in the middle, in between Samuel and Chronicles, and two comes after one. Chapter six, and there's a lot that we're going to learn here today. There's, I'm only going to take 23 verses, but there's a lot in there for us, and as I always try and do as a teacher, I want to try and bring it from what we're seeing in the scriptures and what they're experiencing and also bridge the gap so that you could see this working in your own life. And one of the things that I found is that everything in the Bible is for our training and our admonition. So we want to be able to make sure we're bridging the gap, so to speak, from the biblical account and what's going on and explaining what's going on, but also seeing how this is true for me and you too. Now notice what it begins in verse 1 of 2 Kings chapter 6. It says this, it says, And the sons of the prophets said to Elisha, See now, the place where we dwell with you is too small for us. Please let us go to the Jordan. 
And let every man take a beam from there and let us make there a place where we may dwell. And he answered, go. And one said, please consent to go with your servants. And he said, I will go. Verse four, and he went with them. And when they came to the Jordan, they cut down trees. And as one was cutting down a tree, an iron ax head fell into the water. And he cried out and said, alas, master, for it was borrowed. So the man of God said, where did it fall? And he showed him the place, so he cut off a stick and threw it in there, and he made the iron float. Therefore, he said, pick it up for yourself. And so he reached out his hand, and he took it. Now, this little account here is another one of those reminders that Elisha, the prophet, is God's inside man, that Elisha's aware of things and is understanding things and is walking through his life in such a way that he is bringing, his life is a place where heaven can touch down into earth, where all the rules and laws seem to be suspended as it relates to a certain aspect of the prophet's life. And so here, and this is a great principle for each one of us, because I think it's exactly where all of us live, is that you can learn from this little section that you should expect problems and provision. You should expect problems and provision. Now, I think this is very important because so often our expectations about life and our experiences end up being the singular thing that frames how we feel about things. When you expect problems, when problems happen, you won't freak out. Can I get an amen to that? Yeah. What makes us freak out? The fact that problems happen and we don't expect them, right? We expect everything to go easy and smooth, oftentimes right in the long lines with our unstated expectations, but oftentimes things just don't go that way. And the areas where our expectations are unmet become the areas where the most personal tension and struggle happens, So I'm here to tell you today that you should expect problems. You're like, yeah, thanks, Fusca. I shouldn't have got up and come to church, you know? But look at what goes on here. This whole story, there's all sorts of issues that are going on. Notice first, one of the sons of the prophets comes to the prophet Elijah, and he says, look, the place where we dwell with you is too small for us. Let us go to the Jordan and let every man take a beam from there and let us make there a place where we may dwell. And he answered, go. See, in the midst of the evil times in which the prophet Elisha lived, and we've been seeing that all through this series, there is so many of the sons of the prophets who are gathering together wanting to be discipled and nurtured and mentored in the prophetic ministry that they're running out of space. Now, Space problems in the work of God's kingdom is a good thing, but it's a problem just the same. Like you think about the, if you're here in our sanctuary right now, this sanctuary was built because Crossroads had a major space problem when they were meeting in the chapel. How many of you were part of Crossroads when we were in the chapel? Yeah, they were doing like six services on the weekend. I mean, that would be like the Bill Ritchie Marathon. The poor worship team. I mean, my goodness. (laughs) And so you got a problem. You got to fix the problem, right? And so you're like, we're going to build a bigger sanctuary, right? 
Space problems are still problems, aren't they? Those people who were part of Crossroads at the time when all this was going on, the amount of issues that it was creating with all these people and the parking lot backing up and all these things, but it's still a problem. It becomes a headache. And so they don't have enough room for the number of people who, in the midst of an evil generation, is wanting to grow in the things of God. And so they say, listen, let's go down to Jericho, and we're going to build a bigger place. And Elisha's like, good, go. And then the guy's like, hey, listen, well, can you come with us? And he says, I'll come. Now, this is important because there is a division of labor, right? It's like, I don't think anybody thought that the prophet Elisha's best use of his time was to be on the construction crew, but he needed to be there. And so he's like, I'll come with you. And so you see, this is all, this is uncomfortable right now. There's all these issues that are going on there. And then sure enough, as this is all happening, right, in verse 4, they came to Jordan, they started cutting down trees, but as one was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water, and he cried out and said, alas, master, for it was borrowed. Now, this is important because what you find here is that iron was present at this time in Israel, but it wasn't common and it wasn't cheap. Now, if you need an axe, you just go to Home Depot, or you go to Lowe's, or if you know your neighbors, you go to your neighbor, and they lend you an axe, or they might say, hey, we got a chainsaw, but this was a long time ago. And so iron, it's not, it wasn't as common 3,000 years ago as it was today, and the fact that it was borrowed. So now you have one of the sons of the prophets who's meant to be a witness of the true and living God, and he lost the axe head. It's a problem, wouldn't you think? How many of you have ever borrowed something, lost it, and felt horrible about it? Isn't it true that when you borrow something and something goes wrong with it, you feel worse about it until you tell the person, right? Because like, it's like the relation, like, you lent it to me, that was so kind of you, and I don't know what happened to it. You know, and, and you get this whole anxiety that builds up. And what I'm saying is we need to expect problems in life. You might be saying, oh, well, that's, that's no fun. Well, listen to what Jesus said, John 16, 33. He said, these things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. You hear what he said? He's like, I've told you these things so that you may have peace. In the world, not really so much. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Brother says, you got to expect problems. On this side of eternity, things just aren't ever going to work out exactly the way you dreamed it would be. Let me ask you something. How many of you are living out exactly to the letter your five-year plan from five years ago? Everybody laughs when I say that. I don't, it doesn't just go that way. And if you look at your life, the major events in your life, the major things that you grew the most from Often they were not the happiest ones. They were the hardest ones. They were the ones that didn't go the way that it was, you thought it was going to go. But in the midst of that, you grow a ton. If you expect problems, you would be wise. But at the same time as you expect problems, I want to encourage you to expect provision as well. Now this, my friends, is not... Well, Fusco just read the newspaper and told us to expect problems because the newspaper is full of problems or the internet news is. But expecting provision, that's quite a biblical thing as well. 
Because notice what happens. You got this guy, they're trying to build this bigger place for the school of the prophets. He loses the axe head, but what happens? He comes to God's inside man, Elisha. Verse six, Elisha says, where did it fall? And he showed him the place. And so he cut off a stick and threw it in there and he made the iron float. Now, if you lost an axe in a lake, what do you think about Elisha's plan? You can imagine Elijah just being there and be like, okay, oh, where, where, it's right there. Okay, here, give me a stick. And he's like, oh, he's going to fish that iron thing out with a stick, huh? And he's like, no, no, I'm just going to throw it in. Takes the thing, sticks it in, and the iron axe head floats. Sounds right, right? But it floats. The reason I want you to expect provision is because our God's miraculous. God can do anything. God invented the laws of physics, which I know very little about. And God can do anything. And when you trust in the true and living God, you can expect provision. Now, did this provision come in exactly the way this prophet thought it would? No. And does God's provision ever come in the way that you would expect it to? Very rarely. But provision comes just the same. Comes just the same. And I love this in verse 7. And verse 7 really got me excited because notice what it says in verse 7. Therefore he said, pick it up yourself. And so he reached out his hand and he took it. I love this because Elisha is God's inside man. And Elisha is the one who is there who knows what God wants to do in order for this axe head that has been lost to be found again. But does Elisha just go reach in and pick up the axe head? No. Who gets to do it? The son of the prophet. Why? Because God's inside people always invite other people along to have those experiences. Remember when Jesus fed the 4,000 or he fed the 5,000? He took the little bit that they had and Jesus took it and he blessed it and he broke it. And then he gave it to his followers so his followers could give it out. So his followers could be a part of all that he's doing. And then the followers got to be the people who collected up all the leftovers. See, God wants to invite us to be a part of the work that he's doing. And that's an awesome thing. Sure, we slow the process down. I always use the great example. I love doing things with my kids. When I'm trying to get yard work done with my kids, it takes a lot longer, and it is a lot more fun, except for the fact that it takes a lot longer, you know? But that's how it works. See, God as our Father, he wants us to have these experiences. He doesn't need us to do these things, but he likes it for us to be involved. And one of the things I love about what God is doing right here in the Crossroads family is so many of you are starting to catch this vision that God has given us that God wants to do transformational things in our community, in our world, and he's inviting us to be a part of it. And we're simply saying, okay, I want to be a part of it. And we realize we're a little clunky. We're going to slow the process down, but God actually quite enjoys it. Like this project that we're doing. We can change the world if we just decide that God is looking for people to partner with to bring beauty and blessing into the world. God wants us involved. The finished work of Jesus, he didn't need us for that part, but getting that message out with all of its reality and social implications, he wants the people of God to be a part of that. And that always blows my mind. I'm like, this is awesome. He wants me to be involved in this. Wow. He wants you to be involved in it too. He wants you to experience this. This son of the prophet, the only thing he did 
was get Elisha involved in it, and he lost the axe head. That was his role in this whole thing. All the clunky stuff is the guy's problem. But Elisha lets him be a part of the miracle. I love that about who the Lord is. Now, again, and this shows God's power, right? It shows God's power over the laws of physics and the things that would naturally happen. Now, from there, we get another story, another happening in the life of Elisha. Look at how it begins in verse 8. It says, now the king of Syria was making war against Israel, so he consulted with his servants, saying, my camp will be in such and such a place. And the man of God sent to the king of Israel, saying, beware that you do not pass this place, for the Syrians are coming down there. Verse 10, then the king of Israel sent someone to the place of which the man of God had told him. Thus he warned him, and he was watchful there, not just once or twice. Therefore the heart of the king of Syria was greatly troubled by this thing. And he called his servants and said to them, will you now show me which of us is for the king of Israel? And one of his servants said, none, my lord, O king, but Elisha the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. Now you see what's going on here. You realize that the children of Israel, they're having an issue with the Syrians, and the Syrians keep pressing in, and they keep sending these raiders, these little camps of raiders into Israel. Now, what's going on here is that they're going in, but God's got an inside man, right? So every time... The king of Syria decides that he's going to place his camp in this place. Elisha sends a message to the king of Israel, who's still not a solid dude by any stretch of the means. And he says, hey, just so you know, be careful because the camps of the Syrian raiders, they're right over there. And then the king of Israel would take a couple scouts. They'd go on out. They'd look. They'd come back like, yeah, it's true. And it says it didn't happen just once or twice. And the king of Syria gets mad. He brings in all of his servants, all the people. like, okay, which one of you guys is really a plant, a bowl for the king of Israel? And one of the servants says, no, 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 bro, it ain't us. It's the prophet Elisha. He knows the things you talk about in your bedroom. What does this teach us? Brothers and sisters, nothing is hidden. Nothing is hidden. Everything that every single one of us does is out there in the open. Now, don't get me wrong. It's more terrifying to know that someone else knows than the true and living God. But it shouldn't be that way. See, God knows everything. There is not one thing that one of us can do that God isn't absolutely and completely aware of. We are not pulling the wool over anyone's eyes. Jesus is real. Each one of us finds ourselves in a battle every single day. Pastor Daniel reminded us today that there's a lot of gravity that comes with the language of war, and it's not something any of us should take lightly. The battles around us are waged on many levels, but there's a battle beyond the battle that none of us can even see. One major key to remember from today's message was that if you're fighting people, you're fighting the wrong war. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel here. I realize that there are many of you 
you're not a born-again follower of Jesus. You've never put your faith and trust in Jesus. But as you've been listening, you've been saying to yourself, I want to begin to follow Jesus. I want to help you do that right now. We're going to pray a simple prayer that just acknowledges who Jesus is in your life. Pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I'm giving you my life. Thank you for saving me. I believe in you, your life, your death on the cross, and your resurrection. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. For those of you who just received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I'm so excited for you. I want to help you take your next steps with him. So pull out your mobile phone, text the word SAVED to 51400, S-A-V-E-D to 51400. And my team will get in touch with you. We want to get some more resources in your hands to help you on this journey. Next time on Jesus is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will show us that God is so much greater than we can imagine. In the next story, Elisha will share the locations of Israel's enemies over and over, so much so that the king of the Syrians believes there is a spy in his ranks. But it's all due to the prophet of God listening to God's voice. Nothing in your life is hidden to God. So when you fail, just bring it to him. You've been listening to Jesus is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through his series called Inside Man. Until then, may God bless.